0: Welcome in ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. I'm Billy Mbadi. with me is Shay Dixon. He's in Orlando with the Tigers uh, coming to you from the team hotel. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. We told you guys we'd be back with the podcast just before the new year. So first of all, happy new year to everyone. You're listening to this. It's either 2022 or potentially even 2023 by now, but we wish you guys a happy new year um, and wanted to give you guys one last podcast in 2022. And we're going to be talking about the big transfer haul that LSU got, um, announcing those signees on Friday during the early signing period. Uh, Shay, this was a group that, you know, looking at how they attacked the transfer portal, and we talked a little bit about it earlier this week, they had a couple positions that they really felt like they needed to address across the board. And I feel like with the group they added so far, they answered a lot of those questions.
1: Billy, golly, we're jumping right into it. I have a different question. If you watch us on YouTube, Billy's always rocking some different jerseys. What is this Victor Hedman jersey back there? Is this a color rush? What's the yeah, that is sure. not a lightning jersey I've ever seen before?
0: This is this is their new alternate. This is this was the big Christmas gift, I would say, this year. This is oh, this is new. This is new. This is new. This is all right now. Look big at time. It. So when the Lightning first entered the league, they had um, these kind of like wild jerseys, and they were eventually shot down for something more like normal for the <laughs> NHL. They were bad. They were bad. They were sick, but they it, they looked like a minor league team, kind of wearing them when they did. Um, they were supposed to kind of drum up interest and. In, Florida hockey and all that stuff so they got rid of them and then they came back uh with this as the alternate jersey um for this season so it's much better than the alternate jersey they they rolled back uh last year so Hedman's the man um he's one of the best ever to do it so that was uh that was the big Christmas gift that was a big haul so I had to break it out as a person who collects jerseys, do you have to be choosy about
1: who you get because he could just not be on the team next year, right? Like, do you only yep. choose lightning players that you know are under some long-term deal or aren't going anywhere?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, my brother's a big jersey guy. Like, he wears them all the time, and, you know, goes to games and all that. And I'll, I got him a uh, Nikita Kucherov jersey. He's one of their studs. But I got him the one from uh, when he was with the minor league team. So right before he broke out, I got him that jersey, and I got it for him. I think right after he signed his big ticket deal to stay in Tampa for a long time. It was between that and I think Pilot and Pelot's no longer with the team. So yeah, I am. I'm a little picky. Jerseys are expensive. They're a little,
1: a little too expensive. Yeah, if you're gonna spend a couple hundred bucks on a jersey or whatever, they got to be on the team for a
0: while. Yep. So that's pretty much the the mindset I have with jerseys. So.
1: So well, speaking of, if you're buying college jerseys, this is the portal episode. You failed yourself. <laughs> These kids are all wearing new jerseys now.
0: They're in LSU gear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Now they're vintage. They're vintage. There's a vintage Denver Harris jersey out there from Texas A&M fans. Um, oh boy, probably you could get on the cheap right now. No doubt. And, uh, who knows? Maybe you find yourself in a game worn one, or somehow get get your hands on one of those. Maybe it's worth something uh, someday. And LSU's certainly hoping it is worth uh, something one day. But look, we're gonna start with a Louisiana native uh, coming back uh, to the state to finish up his uh, college career. And that's Aaron Anderson. And we talked about him. We broke down his commitment a little bit and, and how it should be viewed and how the process uh, as a recruit. But let's talk about what he brings to the table right now for LSU. He was hurt a little bit uh, in Tuscaloosa, um, decides to enter the portal. But you look back at high school, and we talked about it, and he can do it all in the return game. Very explosive player with very good measurables in terms of his verified track times. LSU is getting somebody that they can plug into that slot position and uh, compete right away for.
1: No, 100 percent. And look, a year ago, Aaron Anderson left high school in Louisiana. It was Jacoby Matthews, number one player in the state in many different spots. I think people had like Will Campbell, Aaron Anderson, uh, Jacoby Matthews, all in that same mix. Uh, and Aaron Anderson goes to Bama. It was during the coaching change uh, from Orgeron to Kelly. Um, I guess once Orgeron mid-season, it was announced that uh, he was not going to be retained. Anderson dropped his commitment from LSU, flipped to Bama. And this is what the portal gives you, Billy. A year later, he's back and gives them a big piece. And look, we're fresh off the Keyshawn Boutte news. Uh, this makes the Aaron Anderson addition um, even a little bit bigger. I know they don't play exactly the same position, but... Um, Boute kind of does get used all over, but Anderson's a slot guy. Uh, Regardless, this is the type of guy you absolutely want to be. Like when Brian Kelly talks about, we want to go after Louisiana guys who we can get to come back home that are talented enough to play here. Like Greg Brooks and Fusha, all those guys, super talented. Aaron Anderson would be the first guy they've gotten back that they were like really, really recruiting, uh, one time commit. Um, And look, I guess before the portal days really started major burns fit into that category he came back he's now coming back for uh, his final year of eligibility next year at safety about baton rouge kid but i would definitely say billy unless i'm missing someone that this is the biggest guy that they've gotten to come back i mean he was a consensus top 50 player um top five receiver i think he was the number four wide receiver on the on three consensus so uh big deal here and as you noted he At Bama, got banged up, so he took a red shirt, medical, however you want to say it. So he's also got four years of eligibility left. This is almost like adding a high school guy. I know Brian Polian's talked about that before, is when you sign a guy out of the portal that took a red shirt, it's basically like taking a high school guy. He's got four years of eligibility left, which is huge.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes when you have that chance to at least have that player already have been through a college experience, and it's kind of, as we'll get to Denver Harris here in a second, Denver came in and played a lot as a true freshman, was on the right track in terms of playing time, and then ran into some off-the-field things. Aaron Anderson spent a year in the Alabama program. He got hurt, but he didn't necessarily – this isn't a player that was chased off by the tide, I don't think. And and he's somebody that has all that upside still very much in front of him. Um, and I think – and college college coaches talk, and you can try to get information – from other college coaches. I don't think LSU necessarily is talking a ton with Bam about Aaron Anderson, but there is enough out there to figure out, okay, yes, he did redshirt, but is this still a good fit? Is this what we what we should do? And the overwhelming answer that LSU got was yes. And that's why they were patient. We talked about it when everybody was, you know, ready for them to go get Xavion Thomas. Well, Aaron Anderson still certainly has. All the measurables you want in terms of a return man and what he can bring to the table. They needed to address it with somebody who's as explosive when healthy as Aaron Anderson is, and I mean he's the biggest guy they could go out and get. Um, it's a huge splash in Louisiana. It helps out with Edna Carr. I mean this is a this is a win 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 for for LSU all around, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, I know we're going to run through all these uh, guys. The seven announced transfer. Uh, signees, they sign grant and aid forms. You can only sign a letter of intent once, which you do coming out of high school, uh, unless you've gone JUCO. But this was a big addition for a number of reasons. But I do think the punt return, kick return, how you know special teams role is one you can't overlook here because I remember I look we, we told the board I had had multiple sources tell me during the year as things were going awry in a way before Greg Clayton just kind of became the special teams return man. Uh, indefinitely, you know, th- or throughout the season, uh, that they were going to go in the portal and take best available that they saw that could return punts, kicks. I didn't think it would. And look, Anderson wasn't a guy who this past year was doing that, but a year prior to that at Ed Nakar and across his high school career, as a senior, 74 catches, Billy, nine, close to 1,000 yards, 926. He had 14 touchdowns. But even as a senior, he took five kickoffs back for a touchdown. In his high school career, twenty returns on special teams for touchdowns, over six thousand total yards. Uh, when you add together his receiving, um, carrying the ball, everything he else else he did for Edna Carr, and that's big boy football. Edna Carr is playing good competition in New Orleans. Um, this was a big one. I, I, him and Denver Harris are about as big as you can add uh, in the portal if you're LSU and getting guys to that you had recruited and um, for Anderson coming back home. Uh, and now with the news of Boute going pro, which is something heading into the season, we just thought Dre Jenkins and Boutte, Dre being done with college, Boute going pro was a given. Boutte sort of did the three weeks of I'm coming back, no and I'm leaving. Now we're back to he's leaving, he's entering the draft. That's what we expected. They signed the four high school receivers, then you add an Aaron Anderson. That room gets stronger. That's just the reality of it. Look, Boutte and Dre Jenkins, great players, obviously done a lot for you. Jenkins has caught a lot of big touchdowns for him over the years. Boutte, a potential first-round draft pick. They're never short on wide receiver talent. They just needed more wide receivers in the room. They got it. I love the Aaron Anderson pickup. I think he's going to be a really good one for him. And he can play right away as long as he's healthy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and then somebody who could play right away on the other side of the ball, and they'll have some battles in, in um, practice, without a doubt, is is Denver Harris, uh, former five-star. Nah, ain't, nobody, ain't nobody battling Denver Harris, Billy. Come on now. I mean, when you watch Denver Harris as a high school prospect, I mean, he was, most of the time, I mean, he was on the same high school team at one point with Zach Evans, but Denver was the best player on the field pretty much every game he stepped into, uh, for the most part, uh, across his high school career. And the talent level that he's going to bring to the secondary is it can't be understated. Um, I'm a huge Denver Harris fan in terms of what he brings on the field. If he gets it together off the field, this is going to be one of those home runs um, that people talk about. I mean, he was on his way. Uh, he was a mid season, uh, freshman, all American for on three. Uh, he had uh, four tackles in a pass breakup against Alabama, had three PBUs and, and three tackles against Mississippi state. Like he was being productive, at the in SEC play. And to do that as a true freshman is impressive. I mean, it, it just is. And especially at the cornerback position with all the talent that there is in this league at receiver. Uh, so this is obviously the biggest pickup in the transfer portal uh, for me. And um, I mean, probably between him, between the transfers in the high school class, probably top two, um, you know, Deshaun Womack and Denver Harris are probably the top two, I think in my mind. So, um, uber, uber talented player. Hopefully he, you know, they've had, they've done their research. Hopefully they, everybody's on the same page about how this should look and how this should go. And quite frankly, he should be here for two years and move on to the NFL if all goes well.
1: Yeah. And look, another, we talked about Ed Nakar. He was playing big boy football at, uh, at the North shore, uh, over in Houston, playing a lot of talented teams playing for state titles or making deep runs into the
0: playoffs. I don't even know how many- Probably did win some state titles in high school. They're a great uh, he, high school he won, program. He won two. They, w- I think, he was on the last team that won the uh, on the Hail Mary. Uh, ah, yeah, yes, that's right. So, yeah, North Shore North Sherwood was just back in the state championship and lost to Duncanville. So, um, they missed missed Denver Harris a little bit this this year, I would say. But, um, you know that, yeah. The, I mean, he comes from the creme de la creme of Texas high school football, They're the highest level, you one know what? of the best programs.
1: And the good thing there is he's been playing top high school competition, goes to A&M, immediately playing in the SEC, repping against really good receivers that A&M has in practice. So he's not having to transition any here. It's He's used to this level of football. He's ready to go. If Brian Kelly signs off on all the off-field stuff, you're good. He's got that dog in him, Billy, too. I mean, from high school to college, too, he's a play-after-the-whistle kind of guy. I mean, he will get after you, so – Uh, he's entertaining to watch. Um, And boy, I'm with you in terms of pure position. And we're about to talk about another one of them of need. Cornerback was number one on the list.
0: It almost felt like they had to get Denver Harris and they did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that wouldn't have worked out, they would have had to push all their chips in, you know, on Zai Alexander and um, Fentrell Cypress. And and maybe if they knew ahead of time, hey, this wasn't going to be the move. This wasn't going to be a right fit. You know, they could have done that um with with somebody like Cypress and and turn the heat up on him a little bit earlier but uh when I think you look at Denver Harris I mean he's going to be a day one starter if all pans out in my mind he's going to solidify that secondary for the next two years at the corner position Um, and he'll allow uh, somebody like JV and Toviano and some of these other guys to develop um, Jeremiah Hughes, Ashton Stamps, guys like that uh, who are in the signing class as well but And it was funny because this morning we're having a debate on the board about transfer portal rankings. And one guy that I think is underrated is Zai Alexander. He's got two more, he's got three more years to play two seasons. So you sign him out of Southeastern. uh, He broke the school record for interceptions in 2021, had a few more in 2022. He's got great size at 6'3. I believe he's about 185. I could be wrong on that. Uh, But so he's not as filled out as like a uh, Makai Garner was coming over. Um, and, and I don't think he was as old either, but um, yeah, 6'3", 185. But another Louisiana native, a lot of people were high on him coming out of high school. Like you talked about on the last podcast, um, he's an 87 for us right now in the transfer portal rankings. I think with two years to go, he's somebody that should deserve a bump um, just because you're not that productive um, and, and you don't have a shot at the NFL. Now the jump up in competition is probably the big concern, uh, he's somebody that is going to have to adjust to facing that SEC talent. It's been kind of a mixed bag when you look at Colby Richardson, Darren Evans, guys like that who have stepped up to the next level. And it is. And, and that's kind of the the reality of it. But when you add somebody who has the true size of a 6'3", 185-pound corner, that can maybe overcome some of the things that he's going to have to battle, which is just adjusting to that next level. He's got that length. He's got that size. And he, and that's coveted at the NFL level, too. So I think LSU gets an underrated um, guy on our rankings um, out of the transfer portal and Zai Alexander, who, again, can kind of provide competition, allow JV and Toviano and these other guys to develop um, in these next, uh, hopefully for LSU, again, kind of a guy that should be here two years and, and move on to the NFL.
1: Yeah, look, I'm not in the, not in the biz of um... – knocking any other guys or or making it about who, you know, who was good enough or who isn't when you see Zy Alexander and you think about the jump from FCS to FBS, you get a feeling that he's put himself. This is a better prospect than LSU's added from the FCS ranks with other guys you mentioned there. I mean, he was an FCS all American. I think he's had eight picks in the past two seasons. Um, As you mentioned, it's a big jump to go from whoever you're covering uh, in you know the Southland and at the FCS level to receivers that you'll be facing in the SEC who are future NFL players no doubt. Uh, but it seems like he's in a position where within a year, this first year he can make that jump. A um, lot of people around LSU are excited about this one. Uh, was a really look he was productive at Southeastern. he was productive in high school at Laville. He was a really good baseball player. so uh, you're getting a multi-sport kid in that regard, uh, good athlete. Uh, And more than anything, depth, Billy, we talked about it. They only, you're only bringing back two guys at corner who are on roster this year. Seven banks who's had back-to-back season ending ending injuries and LaTerrence Welsh, who was healthy for the first time after back-to-back season ending injuries in high school. Uh, I believe both years had gotten injured uh, healthy this year, played a ton of special teams, but has not seen uh, that run at corner yet. Um, We'll see what he does in year two, but they needed guys who have played and, when you look around the state of Louisiana, there weren't any guys that were in the portal that are better at corner than he was. So uh, I like the addition. And when you've already got a guy like Denver Harris in the boat, you feel even better. But it's not like Zy Alexander is your only hope. You've got two guys now who have played football at the college level. have You know, in Zia's case, multiple years of experience. Uh, I think that this is a this is a no brainer ad for me. There would, And again, when people I'll make this quick. If people want to compare him to other FCS guys, they've added. Zy Alexander had like Miami offers, Southern Cal. Like there were a lot of teams that wanted him. So he stays in state, going to LSU. We'll just touch on it now. They have not signed, or or I should say have not gotten a commitment from Virginia, Fentrell Cypress, who uh, is a South Carolina native, Rock Hill, big time uh, high school football in that area. Uh, But he's been really good at Virginia. He is the highest ranked uncommitted guy in the portal on, on three. Um, Florida State's made a lot of noise they already got him to campus LSU's working to get him to campus in January trying to hold off on him making a commitment so they're after another transfer cornerback so that kind of just shows you the need but you feel really good that you've already got two in the boat completely done good to go they'll be here for the spring.
0: Yeah absolutely and and uh, I spoke with Zai a little bit during his process and and he said I'm just waiting on LSU. And that was December, early December after he entered the portal. He had those big offers right off the bat. I think those schools knew that they needed to jump on him right away. And they certainly needed their own uh, corner help without a doubt, um, looking at that, that list of schools. And um, I I think it's a guy that again, makes a ton of sense. Um, And and so now they can kind of go for Fentrell Cypress and see if they can get him on campus and visit and do all those things. And, and then that would just really, you know, kind of, finalize what would be a, a true uh, probably too deep that is at a, probably as high a level as you can get in the sec in my mind uh, at least that is um, just in the kind of lens of the 2023 season so um, we'll see if if they can get uh, Cypress on campus but uh, two really good corner additions there for LSU and then you get into what everybody loves to talk about on the board that defensive line haul um, and they pretty much went across the board here and brought in a whole second line. I would say, um, you know, you're on mute, but um, uh, yep.
1: edge rusher DN DT. They hit them all here. Four guys were about to run through.
0: Yep. So let's start with a, a play uh, a player from a place that I was just nearby, uh, and that's Jordan Jefferson, the Navarre, Florida native. Drove through there on my way back home from Christmas and. He's got one year remaining um, coming over from West Virginia. A big guy who's going to just come right into the middle, 6'4", 305. You get him in LSU's weight room, and I would imagine he could probably pack on another 10 pounds and really anchor kind of in the middle of that defense um, alongside a Jacoby and Guillory if they rotated them in uh, as the second group there, um, playing behind Makai Wingo and, and Mason Smith next year. Uh, He had a really good season for West Virginia. I I think out of the transfer additions on the defensive line, this is somebody that probably doesn't get enough credit. He only has one year left. So if you're looking at it um, in the the lens of, well, again, why isn't he rated highly or something like that? You know, he's not somebody that coming from West Virginia is going to garner a ton of draft buzz, but he's solid. He's a solid big dude who's done it at, at the Big 12 level for multiple years now. And they and here's the point here.
1: They need depth. They don't have to have starters at D-tackle. They have two starters on the interior in Mason Smith and Makai Wingo. Mason Smith, five-star, all that, had a great uh, first year, obviously, and then gets banged up, uh, injured towards ACL. First drive of the game, uh, defensive drive of the game against Florida State in week one. Uh, but he'll be healthy. He'll be back. Makai Wingo carried him uh, with Jaqueline Roy, who's now gone pro. Uh, So you've got those two guys you feel great about. You mentioned Guillory. After that, you only have two more guys, Bryce Langston and Ty G Hill. Um, Fitzgerald West has sort of jumped around on both sides of the ball. Neither of those guys have ever played uh, yet. Any meaningful snaps along the defensive line. You had a guy like Jefferson next to Guillory. He's played in more than 40 games. He's almost at 20 starts at nose tackle. He's got production. Um, He's been all big 12 academic teams. So you don't have to worry about anything with him, like staying qualified or any worry of that. This is a perfect, put him into the two deep. And now all of a sudden you feel better about the depth. Um, Again, another for me, no brainer. And Florida State was after him. A number of teams that are are hungry for transfer portal defensive linemen. Uh, We're recruiting Jordan Jefferson, not that Jordan Jefferson, obviously, uh, but we've got another one rolling through. Jordan Jefferson is on the squad. And Billy, not the only D-tackle they offered, or I should say, got Jalen Lee, a name we all know very well because he was committed to LSU for, uh, golly, a year, maybe six months, yeah, something six like months.
0: that. Yeah, he's coming coming back to Louisiana, uh, played his ball at Live Oak. And I remember, I guess that probably would have been the last season. Before, was that the 2019 season? I guess it, it would have been. We
1: played season. three years at Florida, yeah, so 1922. So 2021-22 at Florida. Yeah,
0: so that 2019 season was the last time, I guess, I went out before COVID um, to go see guys until, you know, really this past year. And Jalen Lee was one of those guys. And he moved pretty well. He's light on his feet. Um, Being more consistent at the point of contact is probably what he needed to work on. And I think that's probably what, you know, kind of held him back at Florida, but they had high expectations for him going into this season. uh, And it ended up, he was just a rotational guy. But I think, again, you kind of made it, you made that great point about having Mason Smith, having Makai Wingo on the roster already. You can't just go out and get somebody who's going to unseat those guys and bring them in and say, oh, you you really think I'm going to start over Mason Smith or Makai Wingo? No, this is a very natural two-year guy who can step in, Provide some depth. He's a great kid, great family. Um, still remember I was texting you know, with his dad during his recruitment and, and then circle back with him during the transfer process. And they're just good people. And that's what Brian Kelly really you know wants around the program. And, and I think that this was just one of those fits that made sense. It's not going to be a splash. He's not necessarily expected to make a splash, but he's a good, solid rotational piece behind that, that, that starting group.
1: No, I think he he'll be a fine player. I mean he he's coming from the SEC at Florida, so he's faced competition that he's going to face at LSU. Uh, a natural fit in terms of what Kelly wants, bringing Louisiana natives back home. When he hit the portal, it was very didn't take long at all for the LSU kind of buzz to start up, and uh, he decides to come back home. And what twenty five games he got in at uh, for the Gators, um, made a handful of starts playing nose tackle. So and again, look, we're, we're calling them rotational pieces. There's, that's not a knock. Like if you're even on the roster at an LSU, you're a solid player, but if you're playing, you're obviously can contribute. Uh, I will also say it sums it up very easily. Mason Smith went down on the very first drive of the season. Like, yeah, we can sit here and say Mason Smith and Makai Wingo are those dudes. Well, what happens if one of them gets hurt? then all of a sudden you really need Jordan Jefferson or Jalen Lee or whomever else to step up. So Uh, I like it. I think that they're still looking at defensive linemen, obviously, but uh, to add two D tackles, I thought was really big. And you weren't just going to go out and find another like Mason Smiths aren't in the portal. You're not going out and finding some like no doubt about it. Five-star all American. Um, I thought they did a great job getting Makai Wingo, who was a freshman all American and just wanted to step up his level of competition from Missouri to a bigger school. He got the chance to do it at LSU. He's done just that. So Um, for a number of reasons. I like both Jalen Lee and Jefferson um, just because now a position that you felt a lot like corner Billy, you felt like, boy, they really need some guys there beyond just the two of Mason Smith and, uh, and Makai Wingo. Now they've done that with two more guys. So nice ads.
0: Yeah. And the next one, we're going to talk about Paris out of Arizona, um, a Canadian who joins uh, LSU's roster. and, I think he's somebody that could be a little bit versatile. You know, there he's 6'5", 290. He's going to play Ollie Gay's spot from what it seems, but he can also slide inside and play on passing downs and things like that. Um, he's a good-looking player physically. He doesn't necessarily – you think 290 pounds, and I think some people just think like, you know, kind of a belly hanging over at times and, and maybe in the more traditional defensive tackle – mold but these guys that are 290 now i mean they just look like kind of greek gods uh in and a he way looks
1: 240
0: i mean yeah he, i mean he's he just does not those, look
1: like a big guy
0: yeah you think of like a quincy wiggins and even Ali gay i mean like both those guys are just huge um and so parashand is kind of that that latest um type of player that they've added and he's been on the up i mean his last two years at arizona he's improved each year um, he's somebody that they did a really nice job, I think, scouting and going in-depth on to make sure this was a fit. Um, I like this ad. He's coming off a career high in tackles and sacks, so uh, Parishand will factor in right away in that you know kind of push to replace Ollie Gay.
1: Uh, you know me, Billy. I'm a big uh, multi-sport athlete guy. I just think that when it translates to football, that athleticism carries over. A um, little background here on Parishand. First, let's say his dad played at Duquesne and then was on the Canadian national team. But Paris, when he was in high school, was a really good basketball player up in Canada, won a silver medal uh, at the FIBA U-16 America's Championship in Argentina, was on the national team for Canada in 2017, ends up going to Connecticut to finish up some high school ball, Uh, played football, went to Arizona, now coming to LSU to play football. Um, That athleticism uh, at 290 when you've put on some weight uh, is still there. So, Think of the Ollie Gay role, that edge rusher, or not edge rusher, hand in the dirt defensive end, um, but they've got Quincy Wiggins. They've got some guys there that can play, uh, but Parrishan gives you a guy, another guy who's coming in from an FBS program, a Power 5 program, with double-digit starts under his belt, uh, well over 20 games played, has had some production, as you noted, in recent years. So uh, these are the kind of guys you want to go get in the portal or guys that have played, have proven it, and now can come in and give you a couple years of, uh, you know, of reliable football, and you, you kind of know what you're getting.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and then the last piece is one that Jamar Cain is very familiar with, Braden Swinson, a Georgia native who went all the way out to Oregon during his recruitment to play for the Ducks. He's an edge guy. Again, we talked about, you know, bringing in Denver Harris and Zy Alexander and how that can allow JV and Toviano and, and guys like that time to develop. Braden Swinson, kind of the same thing, even if it means, you know, kind of spoon feeding, maybe Deshaun Womack on the edge a little bit and saying, all right, we're gonna give you X number of snaps a game, take them, show us what you got. You'll get more if you really, you know, emerge. Braden Swinson is somebody that can kind of take that load off of him with all that pressure coming in as a five star. He's played a good bit of football. Um, One of uh, my other reporter friends is a Oregon Duck alum, and he said, look, I mean, the one thing I could say about this guy is you're 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 going to see somebody who plays with a very high motor. And that's something that when you look at the transfer guys that they got with Wingo last year, that's the thing that stands out about Makai. That's why he was so good, I think, in my mind, at least, um, and why he was able to step right up and do what he needed to do um, for the Tigers this year. And I expect Braden Swinson to have that similar opportunity um, to take kind of back his path towards, you know, potentially a pro career um, with a fresh start, a name, he, uh, a coach he's familiar with. And, um, you know, having a high motor is is half the battle in the SEC in my mind.
1: And look, it's uh, another need position uh, with B.J. Ojalary gone. They signed Deshaun Womack, who, um, in the opinion of some that I've talked to, is up there with Keon Keeley, who's going to Bama as the two best edge rushers in this class. But can you expect him to start immediately? Right. And Um, even Brian Kelly kind of said, look, if he's not playing next year, that was on us. So we, we did something wrong because Deshaun Womack's the real deal, but we saw it with Harold Perkins, like week one, Harold Perkins is on special teams. Then he's sort of just in a situational edge rush role. Then he's playing more linebacker. So there's some growth that has to happen for Deshaun Womack. I think a guy like Swinson allows them to, um, to let it breathe for a minute, you know, and, and see if those guys can't both get some reps in as you bring Womack along, Um, And, look, he's played big-time football at Oregon, has a ton of starts. I know he's in double-digit starts. He played in more than 30 games, I think. Um, uh, No, excuse me, uh, three years, yeah, uh, double-digit, 30-plus games, uh, not double-digit starts, but uh, did get uh, defensive lineman of the week for the Pac-12 in a game against uh, Ohio State, uh, a big Oregon-Ohio State game two years ago. So uh, he showed up in some big moments before. And, Billy, I think this also highlights – Another thing the portal can do for you, which, as you noted, Jamar Kane, who's LSU's defensive line coach, had recruited Swinson at his prior spot. So if you're a D-line coach, you're looking for edge rushers. All of a sudden, a kid goes into the portal and you're like, hey, I already know him. I know his family. I met him. He was at Arizona State at the time. Now Jamar Kane's at LSU. I'm at a bigger program now. I can step right in there. I already know who the kid is. I've got the family's cell phone in my, uh, you know, in my Rolodex here. And you're kind of jump-started the recruitment and it took them no time to get him onto campus and get him committed. So um, whether it's bringing kids back home, whether it's just targeting kids um, like Paris Shand, who's a Canadian who has no affiliation to LSU, but you just sell them on a need, or it's a thing like this where the position coach already knows the player because he recruited him out of high school at his prior coaching stop. Uh, The portal can kind of give you a lot of avenues to get in there and, and fill some uh, depth needs or whatever it might be. So, um, all of these guys, I don't look at a single guy of these seven that they've added yet and be like, yeah, I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, all seven of these guys, I completely understand why they took them. Um, they are among the best available. Uh, they all hit on positions of need and we'll see where, where it goes from here. That's seven guys. Um, obviously with Keishon Butte going pro, there'll be other guys who end up hitting the portal. Uh, They're under the 85 scholarship limit right now, which you just have to be at when fall camp starts. So point being, there will be more portal additions right now. Finchrell Cypress, the corner out of Virginia is one we're watching. Um, But I'm curious to see kind of where they go from here, because so far it's been, yes, like Denver Harrison, Aaron Anderson could be considered best available. Sure. Um, But they also were big positions of need uh, in for different reasons. So, uh, I'm curious if they continue down this path of addressing positions of need or do we eventually see them truly hit on a best available type guy uh, just to take a guy who is a really good football player, even if you might feel good about uh, what you've already got there. So it'll be interesting. But Brian Kelly proved it a year ago. Those transfers they took, they would not have won nine on the brink of maybe a 10 win season uh, without Jaden Daniels and Kai Wingo and all these different, Mikai Garner, uh, all the different transfers they signed. Um, they're well on their way to not as many transfer portal signees by design. They didn't want to sign 20 again, but uh, inching closer to 10 guys who probably will all be making an impact again for them next year.
0: And yeah, no question about it. So a really nice transfer hall for LSU. Stay on the bengaltiger.com. A dollar for a year. You get the hat as well. Uh, if you haven't gotten your hat, check in, DM uh, for the instructions to redeem uh, your free hat. You got to fill out um, you know, just a separate thing to do it. Um, it doesn't just get shipped to you uh, when you subscribe. So uh, check it out on the message board. We usually bump the instructions for that. Uh, also, hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel. Uh, but guys, we're going to let you go. Have a great New Year's Eve. Uh, Shay, enjoy Orlando. Um, if we all don't get back together before LSU plays Purdue... Enjoy the game as well. Plenty of football this weekend. Uh I'm gonna be posted up hardcore on the Look couch. Look at all the Cheez Its they give you. Did you get some of those for when um uh when Mike Norvell got got doused last night with the Cheez Its? Oh man, they hit him with
1: all that. yeah, no, for real. This is gonna make a lot of noise. I just walked into the hotel and they're just handing out Cheez-Its. I think the woman was like, No, we got to get rid of like thirty thousand bag of Cheez-Its this week. So she was like, just take the whole box. I don't even I mean, we might need to put some Cheez-Its in with the the hats and just ship them out. I've got way too many
0: Cheez-Its here. Oh yeah. Don't send the Cheez-Its there. We've got the hats at the house here. I don't need any more things to pile up. So um uh, right. please so, sign up. A dollar for a year, uh, redeem the hat, take them off our hands. And uh look, we will see you guys in 2023. Shay been a great year uh happy we're we're all together and and doing this thing and coming up on a year at on three uh for me and for and for the site overall so plenty of good things to come in 2023 including more podcasts that's right and billy got married this year i was there i saw it big big year some say it wouldn't wouldn't happen some say it wouldn't happen but it did (sighs) yeah (laughs) well guys that wasn't uh, me that's true Appreciate you guys listening. We will catch you guys in the new year. Have a happy and safe new year from all of us at the Bengal Tiger. Thanks for listening.